Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. This is my first time in the pulpit in three months. And so let me get, begin by saying thank you. For me and for Ellis and for Silas too, the sabbatical time has been a real blessing, restorative and so good for our family. So thank you to the vestry, to the many volunteers who kept us running, to Zach, to Cheyenne, Mary, our musicians, to Mark and Chester, and especially to Julie, who stepped into the hot seat just a few weeks after starting in her job. I'm not sure you knew what you were in for. Thank you. And it's good to be back. And I'm going to try to avoid the temptation to preach three months' worth of sermons today. Today I want to talk about wisdom. Specifically, the wisdom of the cross and the environmental crisis as we enter this season of creation. First, the wisdom of the cross. It sounds like a contradiction in terms. Just ask St. Paul. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says that calling the cross wisdom seems like foolishness to the Greeks and blasphemy to his own religious authorities. How can an instrument of torture and death be wisdom? There's a reason that when Jesus speaks of his death today in the gospel, his followers are confused and afraid to ask questions, and they really just want to avoid the topic. At the heart of our tradition is a scandalous wisdom. And I wonder how often we avoid the cross. Or, like the early followers, we get too caught up in petty competitions and our own insecurities to pay the kind of deep attention that this wisdom requires. And the cross isn't easy wisdom to bear. But my friends, I would argue we need the cross as much today as ever, perhaps more. Sometimes we treat faith as a museum piece. We can be precious, nostalgic, even anthropological about faith. We think of our beliefs as ancient, maybe irrelevant. Or worse, we might, like Rachel Held Evans talked about in her book surrounding our first re reading about the capable wife, the woman of valor, we might try to turn faith into a to-do list. We might make Sunday morning for an hour one of the items on our to-do list, giving it a particular time when we practice faith, though these days it might be whenever we get around to watching the stream. That's okay. But could we dare to see the cross as more than a decoration or a historic event could the cross transform how we see the difficulties we face each day? Could we dare to read the signs of our own times through the lens of the cross? The cross tells us God takes the worst of what humans can do and redeems it. God takes the worst of what humans can do and redeems it. Even when we do our worst, even when hope seems lost, God is not done. 
No situation is irredeemable. But unlike the disciples, we have to be willing to face difficult truth. We have to ask questions we find hard to ask. To illustrate the point, and because we are in this first Sunday celebrating the season of creation, I want to talk about the state of our planet. As beautiful as this sabbatical summer has been, it has also been frustrating. We spent much of our time as a family out in Colorado, and many of the days the air was orange, hazy with acrid smoke from fires further out west. One day, after about a week of having to limit our outdoor activity, I'm pretty sure it was also the day that that devastating UN climate report came out, Ellis and I were both walking around with heavy shoulders, those heavy shoulders of existential dread. And Ellis said to me, I feel like the world is on fire. And it felt a little too literal. And for many of us this summer, climate change somehow became more real, hit closer to home. I said in my email to the congregation this week, riffing on one of the Eucharistic prayers of the church, this summer the earth has felt more fragile than I've ever felt it before. And some of you know, a fire tore through the valley I spent my summers in as a kid, the same valley where we took Silas to visit this summer in Colorado. Up there, whole mountainsides that I had always known to be covered in dense stands of lodgepole pine, they now looked mangy, indecent bald spots with just a few charred trees sticking up into the sky. They looked like sick animals. I found myself wishing my son could have known the Rocky Mountains the way I had as a child. It feels like something has been stolen from him. Next week, I promise I'm going to talk more about what I think our faith compels us to do. We have a corporate responsibility, and for many of us, this summer came as a wake-up call. But today, I want to ask, what wisdom does our faith bring for those of us feeling this deep existential dread about the planet? Can the cross bring perspective? I hope so. I hope so. As I said, there were days it was hard to hope. The writer Annie Lamott has said that we live in a Good Friday world, and our job is to be Easter people. It's all too easy to get stuck in the dread, stuck scrolling through so much bad news, stuck in the sense of doom. For me, this summer, it was the flowers that broke through. The thing about those dense pine forests that I grew up knowing is that not, else, not much else could grow in them. Sunlight doesn't penetrate, and the needles dropped by the pine trees make the forest floor acidic. Wildflowers are few and far between in an overgrown forest. But 10 months after that big fire, our family spent a day driving through the center of the over 100,000-acre burn. And the smoke had cleared that day. The sky was a deep blue. And as we came around one bend in the burned forest, suddenly we saw a whole hillside of bright purple flowers standing out against the base of blackened trees. 
It's hard to get more literal in your symbolism of the cross and resurrection than to see new life springing from where death has occurred. The flowers didn't erase the pain. They didn't cover the scars. But for me, they spoke of something that is also true. That's part of the wisdom of faith, part of the wisdom of the cross. We're asked to hold two seemingly opposite truths together. The wisdom of the cross asks us to see painful truth, to see the suffering, not to avert our gaze. And the wisdom of the cross asks us also to see the beauty that can happen even in the ugliest of situations. Often Christianity is caricatured as being anti-science. You either believe in God or you believe in evolution. You believe in the Bible or you believe in climate science. But what if the stakes are different? What if our faith has, what if what our faith has to offer is a reason to keep going when all seems hopeless? What if the wisdom of our tradition can help us direct the questions we ask of science? In the midst of the argument about who is the greatest, Jesus puts a child in the circle of his disciples. Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must be last. Be like the little children. Jesus points his followers away from arguing over who's the best. He says, keep your eyes on those who suffer. Keep your eyes on those who are vulnerable. It's the only way to make a godly difference. The first of this month, something historic happened, and I would forgive you if you missed it. It was buried really deep even in my newsfeed, and I'm a church nerd. But the Pope, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the Ecumenical Orthodox Patriarch wrote a joint statement about climate change. It was released on September 1st. It is the first time that the three heads of the world's three largest Christian bodies have ever spoken with one voice. And the central section of their letter encourages world leaders that'll be meeting later this year in a UN climate um, summit it encourages the world leaders and the scientists not to forget the questions of human injustice raised by global warming. They write, the people bearing the most catastrophic consequences of these abuses are the poorest on the planet who have been the least responsible for causing them. See, a Christian perspective on climate change looking through the lens of the cross, looking through the lens of our tradition, this perspective highlights the effect our collective carbon footprint is having on the planet's most vulnerable people. And it's not just true on a planetary level. I remember a couple years ago listening to an interview on our local NPR station with a doctor from our congregation, Allison Nash, talking about the studies about the worst rates of asthma in East St. Louis and North County, North City, compared to other municipalities. The effects of our environmental crisis are unevenly distributed. If this summer taught us anything about climate change, it's this. Ignoring the problem won't make it go away. There are all sorts of parallels, of course, with the pandemic. 
wishing it weren't a problem, denying science, trying to minimize, all these patterns of denial cause harm. When you hear news of Christians denying science, remember, it is also true that Christians are a people who line up behind the cross. Our faith asks us to, share, to stare at the torturous reality, at the pain and the destruction we can cause. Our faith asks us not to look away and to ask especially how the most vulnerable people are affected. But paradoxically, the cross isn't a sign of death, not for Christians. Our faith is built on turning the sign of death into the possibility of new life. Yes, it is true that our planet is in crisis, but it is also true that creation is surprisingly resilient. Yes, it is true our human community is in crisis. It is also true we have learned in these last 18 months that our human community is surprisingly resilient. New life can spring out of ashes. We find ourselves at a tipping point. The climate has changed. It is also still changing. The cross asks us to stand up in the midst of human realities in ways that are hopeful, in ways that are revolutionary. When the disciples are trying to ignore Jesus' discussion of his death, they miss the punchline. They miss when Jesus says, and I will rise again. The wisdom of the cross is that dread does not have the last word. There is always a reason to hope. There is always a reason to call our fellow human beings to stop living out of fear, to stop living in denial, to work with hope for new life. Faith isn't just some pretty idea to put on a shelf, a checkbox to tick on Sunday morning. I hope your faith points you daily in the direction of justice, in the direction of hope. That direction, I believe, is where the wisdom of the cross points us. Amen.